Hello, and welcome to the Behind the Brawl podcast, brought to you by Barbells for Boobs, where we want to redefine the standard of breast health care and improve the quality of life post-diagnosis. I'm your host, Zayana Hansen, and I'm the founder of this incredible organization. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have Melissa Barreras. Did I say that right? Say it. Say it. Barreras. 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 I'm working on my Spanish. It's all good. Oh, I um, hear you're Mexican. I know. <laughs> I'm only half Mexican, so my accent only comes out half, right? But I did my genetic testing. I'm not even Mexican. Okay. She is a breast cancer survivor, a glow boob master. Don't worry. We'll let you know what that means. And a locomotive engineer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, exciting to be here. She's a little nervous. Very nervous. It's okay. It's all, you know, you're talking to really easy going people out there. <laughs> easy peasy, lemon easy squeezy. Easy peasy. I think my favorite thing so far about this show is that every single one of my guests, it's your first podcast. <laughs> so you're not alone here. You're okay. good. You're in good hands. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I'm it, Happy to be here, and I'm a little nervous to to see what we uh, what we talk about. But like I told you, only the things I told you in the bathroom; those are the only things that are off limits. So here we go. We had some bathroom secrets before this session. <laughs> yes, um, that'll will... be barbells for boobs after dark. After the after hours. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of the things that I'm I'm really starting to understand is I think that you've told your story and a lot of the survivors I've spoken to, you all have told your stories and have shared it so many times, like individually when people like, you know, when you're at support groups or your family, you kind of go through your, your journey of breast cancer. Again, I know that that word is horrible. It should be exiled, but, uh, your time with treatment and, and you tell your story all the time, right? I mean, I'm assuming that you've talked about it before. And so actually like sitting down and fully talking about it and it being recorded and documented so that it's around for generations to come, I think is, um, it's kind of exciting that we're doing this. And so you have shared your story. I think that nothing here is going to be brought up that you've never shared before. It's just, you have a mic in front of you now, so it's going to be a little different. Yeah, no pressure, no pressure. (laughs) It's okay. We're going to, we're going to dive right in. So, um, First, first and foremost, where I want to start is where are you, where's Melissa from? Like, where did you grow up? Like, what's your kind of heritage that brings you here today? I grew up in the Lakewood Long Beach area. Long Beach. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out Charlene. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, I'm from Long Beach, very proudly. Anybody from Long Beach is proud. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Grew up in Long Beach, born and raised. Yeah. And, uh, I traveled around a little bit for work and, uh, I'm back. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I didn't like the weather anywhere else. So California girl all the way. Paradise here for sure. Right. Every time I travel, I see really cheap homes and I'm like, Oh, I want to move. And then I come home and I'm like, why would I want to (laughs) move? It's kind of like perfect. So you grew up in Long Beach. Your fam is your family from Long Beach? Pico Rivera. Okay. All right. And how did you get involved with Barbells for Boobs? Like, how did you find us? Uh, Well, I was already a little bit of a part of the breast cancer community. I uh, heard about it, you guys, through story. 
and another lady, uh, Janelle Linares. So um, I was very interested. I love fitness and uh, I wanted to check you guys out. You guys were nice enough to accept me into your weekend retreat in mm -hmm. Newport Beach, which was awesome and beautiful. And I got to meet a lot of amazing um, amazing survivors and it, it helped me to grow. And then I worked out with you guys a couple times. I, I loved doing that. I couldn't quite get the, I couldn't quite master it, but uh, I'll have to come back and, and try that out again. Yeah. I get a barbell in your hand. It's okay. Right? You, don't, you don't need to master it. You just need to try it. <laughs> yeah. So you found us through some friends. You came to our collective. So I just came back from our collective for this year, which we, for the first time, we made it like this week long um, collaboration with Power Monkey. And I think that there was maybe like three girls that were there from last year that ended up going to the collective again this year. Um, it's definitely a different experience. So I can't wait to hear back from them. But um did the collective make an impact on your life? I mean, how, how only because I think that it's really important that anybody listening and considering our programs, like getting to know what the collective is and, um, us educating them on kind of your experience and what you took from it. Well, for me, the collective was good because, uh, there was a lot of education behind it. Education. I didn't even think I'd, you know, like Bubs was there, the extra collagen mm -hmm. uh, in the coffee, the, um, what was it, the dietary I mean, uh, information that we cool got. All the cool gymnastics stuff. Oh my God, the <laughs> gymnastics was so much fun. Like if you guys, if you ever get a chance to do the, the crazy barbells for boobs, power fitness gymnastics, <laughs> go for it because, whew. It was a little, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And, and I got to, I got to learn a lot and about my own, I was very proud coming back mm. and I mm. got to, I know Bora was also on the podcast and we were just talking earlier, you and I, about how we got to see her grow before our eyes into yes. bold Bora. To so, bold Bora. Yes. <laughs> so shout out so, to Bora. Yeah, shout you out to Bora. Amazing. She's amazing. Yes. Totally night and day, right? From yes. the day she walked into the, the yes. house in Newport Beach. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Bora. <laughs> she was even afraid to spend the night there. Yeah, that no, was, was so, so cute. cute. She's so amazing. Okay, so... <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure, like, I'm I'm learning listeners. This is a brand new podcast. So, uh, again, I've gotten some feedback. So uh, I, I want to, if you have any feedback for how we're interviewing and the information we're getting, please just let us know. Um, so I want to go into where were you at in your life the day before you were diagnosed with breast cancer? Like, who was Melissa? Where were you at? How old were you? What did your life look like? I was actually in a downward spiral. I was in a, ooh, excuse me. I was in a toxic relationship and it was very hard for me to love myself. Um, my breast cancer, considering I, I had DCIS, the best kind that you can have when, when it comes to that, no chemo, no radiation, it was just surgeries, but my mind transformed and I had to learn to love myself. And um, after the first surgery, after the, a week after my first surgery, the 
toxic, toxic lady in my life. She decided to leave, which was a blessing in disguise. Um, so I was going through a couple of different heartbreaks, um, which made it all the better when I was able to get over it and strive and thrive. And it was other survivors and programs like Barbells for Boobs that helped me to come out of my shell and become uh, bold Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to carry uh, Bora's message on. So how, how old were you and how long ago was your diagnosis? It was uh, about three years ago. I was 34 at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was never in my family Nothing like that. I have uh, some beautiful nieces. It's one in eight. So I figure I took one for the team. Yeah. There's so, se- seven other women in your life. Yeah. That you're like, I got this one. Yeah. I'm like, I got this. <laughs> if, if statistics <laughs> serve as well, we're good. We're yes. done, family. <laughs> uh, so you were 34, three years ago. How did you find it? What was the sign? What was the symptom? Like, was there a sign? Was there a symptom? Talk me through that part. There were two signs. Um, I didn't realize the second one. First of all, there was a lump that I was a little in denial about. And I let it go for about five to six months until it got so big that it was pretty much my whole boob. It was about, uh, it was either 9.2 or 10.2 centimeters. It was a big one. Hmm. Um, but also one thing that you don't think about is when I was putting on deodorant for a little while, I was, I was feeling soreness and that was, uh, the inflamed lymph node. So those were the, my two signs of breast cancer. And so did the inflamed lymph node, did that feel like a lump or did, did it just feel like soreness? In- just like soreness. Yeah. I was actually, I, I was on the, are you on the rad support group? Facebook group. I just went live this morning. So I'm going to start going there live every Friday um, and just sending a message to survivors. And I actually just spoke about the deodorant I use because uh, that's just a, uh, since we're talking about armpits, we might as well just talk about this briefly is, you know, there's been some information put out there of us being cautious about the deodorant we're using as it's leading to breast cancer. I don't know if it's been proven that stuff and deodorant I'm naive here. Sorry. Interesting. I'm just what what be... kind of brand? What brand is so it? I, so my favorite deodorant, it's called Freedom and I use the mint flavor and I get it on Amazon and it's amazing. I've used it for over a year and a half and it, and I exercise, I train, I, I sweat a lot and it's been incredible. Like it's the best one out there. I've tried all kinds of, of natural, uh, of natural deodorants and this one seems the best. We're looking up right now. Yes. It's the aluminum based compounds are used active ingredients. Oh, interesting. So if and you don't know that, now you know. If you don't, I don't know, know the science behind it. Know. I've just known forever that deodorants can be harmful to our bodies. So just to talk about that. So you had a lump yes. and you felt some soreness in your lymph nodes. Did you have a general practitioner that you went into? Did you have a gynecologist? What was your next step once you found that lump? Oh, that's a good question um, for people. Um, yes, I went to my general doctor. She sent me over to the gynecologist. The gynecologist was like, hmm, this doesn't seem right. And she's then I went through the process of um, getting it checked by the breast surgeon. And I got, um, no, the breast surgeon was after, sorry. I got 
I got sent for the um, mastectomy then. And I could mm-hmm. tell when, or not the mastectomy, I'm sorry. The mammogram. The mammogram. Thank you. So it was kind of weird. I could tell when, when the lady, I guess, took my image. I knew that it was cancer because her tone changed when she came back in and she asked me if I had children. And once she asked me if I had children, I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. Did you in your head, did you feel like in your mind, having finding the lump and you're in this downward spiral mentally, emotionally, it sounds like with your relationship in your mind, was there any time where you were like, I think I might have breast cancer. Did it ever come up in, in your head? No, I didn't let myself think about you that. You didn't go there. No. And so it was a complete shock when when she came into the room and asked you, is that is that when your mind kind of started going that way? Yeah. And then right after that, she told me I needed a biopsy. And that's when it Did you even know real. what a biopsy was? No. <laughs> Why? Well, I, so, I think of biopsy and cancer. So yeah, so I yeah you think of that. So I want to take a, a second and just kind of provide some information and education in case there's a listener here. Just so you know, if you have a lump on your breast, the first step is you need to get a, a, a screening, right? And so in order for you to get a screening, you have to have a almost like a prescription for the mammogram from a general practitioner or gynecologist. So it's not like you can just go into a breast center and be like, I need an image on my breast. I have a lump. That's not the process. So the way I like to kind of provide it in a very simple manner of a, a metaphor is when you go to the pharmacy, you don't just ask the pharmacist for medicine. You have to have a prescription from your doctor to say, my doctor needs me to get this. And you go to the pharmacist to get the medicine. It's the same thing in a breast screening. You have to go to your general practitioner, a gynecologist, and they then write the prescription for a mammogram or ultrasound or whatever they think is going to be the best suited screening for your breast type, your age, all that good stuff. So I just want to clarify that for anybody that's out there that might have a breast concern. Um, those are the steps. And if you don't know, uh, if you don't have a general practitioner or gynecologist, you can call Barbells for Boobs or Planned Parenthood is a great resource. So, so you find, so she comes into the room, you get the biopsy. Did you, did it happen immediately? No, it was, it was the next day that I got the biopsy. That was a fun night. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, that was, that was interesting. It was torture. The torture was actually waiting for like four days after the fact. After the biopsy. And then I get a phone call. So I get off of work and I have a a message from the, um, so drawing a blank, the gynecologist's office. And she's Mm -hmm. like, we need to please call me as soon as possible. It's very important regarding your results. Um, call me as soon as possible. So here I was freaking out already, like, oh my God, I have cancer. This girl, this doctor did not call me back. She, When I called back, they wouldn't give me the results. They said that she had to give them to me. And it wasn't till three hours later that she finally was able to get a hold of me. But luckily my friend, Brenda, her friend, her sister worked at a breast center and I had already given her my information and signed something. So she was able then, um, it took a little while. She didn't want to tell me, but I finally had a, we were going through texts and I was like, you know, look, I need to know, Yeah. you know, I don't care what it is. Just tell me. Cause she was trying to tell me, you need to find out from your doctor. And then finally she's like, yeah, I was positive for, 
for cancer. And what uh, stage was it at? I know you said it was DCIS. So I'm assuming stage zero DCIS uh, was the diagnosis. Yes. And what was the doctor's recommendations? Like what was the next steps? How, how quickly did you get your, I'm assuming you had, you said you had surgery. So what were the next few weeks for you? So it was just under one month later. I was diagnosed about November 14th. My first surgery was December 14th, um, December 12th. I was up in the air about whether I should take both breasts or just take the one. And eventually my doctor was like, you know what, I'll just take the one. She she neglected to tell me that I was supposed to have chemotherapy, radiation, that kind of thing. If I don't remember which one, if I didn't take the second breast. So it wasn't until my next appointment with her a couple weeks later that she was like, oh, here, we got to do this and you got to take tamoxifen. And I was like, that would have been good information to know when you, you know, before the surgery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually, I was very much against tamoxifen. I am ER positive, but I was against tamoxifen because it's, for those who don't know, it is a... Uh, it's an estrogen blocker and it doesn't put you into menopause, but it gives you, it's known to give some of the same symptoms like hot flashes, bye-bye sex drive, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, And it's, it's a five-year medication to where afterwards you would take a different kind of medication once you're at, you know, menopause age. So I would have been on something all my life. Your entire life. So I wasn't okay with it. I went to the oncologist and I told her that she got with her board and they got back to me and said, you know, since it's DCIS, you do not have to take tamoxifen. And I've met other female, other survivors who still take tamoxifen, even though they're in the same situation as I am. Um, so that's something I'd like to say to get that second opinion. Yeah, which I think I that did. That's I a, went to a I second. think that that's a critical uh, conversation for our community because I've heard so many negative things about tamoxifen and. Again, I'm not a medical expert, but I think that it's something that we really need to analyze if you are on tamoxifen, really having a deeper dive into it and not just taking it because, again, we love our doctors and, you know, we want to trust what they're giving us. But I think that it's really looking at your diagnosis and really understanding why you're taking tamoxifen and how it's really going to impact the your specific diagnosis. And I've, I, I know that there's some women in our support group that have just completely remove themselves from taking tamoxifen, uh, which is all of your individual choice. But I think that just women are, it's a really hard drug on you. Like a lot of women are having really bad experiences with it. And so I think that that's a big, big topic that we might see coming out in the next five years to see if it's necessary. Yes. And I know a couple of people, a couple of my fellow survivors who were on tamoxifen and got a recurrence. So, you know, if I get it, if I get cancer, if I get a recurrence, I get a recurrence, but I already put it in my head that I'm happy with the decision I made. And I think that's what, what matters the most is if you're comfortable with, with the decision and, and that you can sleep at night with that decision Yes, and knowing that you made the best decision for your body. So you still only removed one breast. No. um, So did you opt for the double vasectomy in order to not be on tamoxifen was that kind of the decision or so not to a, have chemo a year later 
I got the other one removed, and then I got these beautiful breasts that are on my chest oh, right now. Hey Shout there. out, Dr. The, Waltzman and Long Beach. The glow boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you you went a year later. Yes, and that was um, for financial reasons because I I uh, luckily was open enrollment for my disability insurance when I was diagnosed. So I was able, but I had to, for a preconceit, pre- yeah. What is it called? A, oh, you're sick, so we're not going to help you. <laughs> yeah. That kind of. You, had a, <laughs> you yeah. already have something pre-existing condition. There you go. <laughs> you sick, we can't help you. Sorry, no insurance for you. Pre-existing. <laughs> so I needed a, I needed it to wait a year. And so it was kind of cool. I didn't mind. I, I saw it as, I, I loved my body. I was so happy with just the one boob. I was like cool. You know, I thought it was like my little warrior, Mm -hmm. um, scars. I still feel that way about the scars on my body. Um, I've never had an issue with that, but yes. So I waited a year and I did the the double thing and I'm very happy now, um, with the outcome. And they did something which, um, a little different. It's, I did over the, over the breast implants. I was a good candidate for that because of the way that my breasts were shaped, I guess. And, um, it made all the difference in my healing process. I was I was able to get back to my monkey fitness, you know, not long after. So over the breasts, which means like over the pec muscle? Yes. Or, okay, over the pec muscles. And do you think that because you opted for that specific surgery is why your boobs glow? I think so. <laughs> I do. So we're gonna, I, we're gonna we're gonna transition into into <laughs> the uh, into her glowing boobs. So let's talk about why do your boobs glow? And how did you discover that way? More importantly, how did you discover that your boobs glow? I know, right? <laughs> well, I became the glow boob master by accident. I had gotten out of the shower and the light from the window I was hitting me just right to where they looked orange. And it freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, what's the matter? I must have cancer again. Yeah, something's wrong oh with me. Oh my God, what's going on? And I I ended up for, for whatever reason deciding to put a flashlight to each of my boobs and they glow bright orange like a jack-o'-lantern. I love how you went from, I might have cancer to, wait a minute, I'm going to get a <laughs> flashlight and see if my boobs glow. <laughs> Well, that was after I freaked out. That was after I freaked out for a little bit. But yeah, I mean. I'm glad that was the way that you redirected that energy, though. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm kind of weird I don't think I would have thought, like, let me get a flashlight. Well, what it was is I noticed that I could see all the veins and stuff. So I wanted Mm. a better look at them. And I actually found a um, a node that way Um, after the fact. In, In February and March, I found a node. And it was because... Same thing, the light was hitting it, and I saw that there was this dark spot, and that's, it was, it was, the spot was visible before I was able to feel it, um, so. Did you have it checked out? Is it? Yes, I've had um, two ultrasounds on it, and. And it's clear as it's of- It's clear, they, they just have to keep doing it, and uh, after two years, they'll, they'll consider it benign, so. Good. But that was a little stressful. So yes, glow boobs. So boob. we have glow boobs. Yes. It's that, just fascinating. Yes. Do we think that it's because of the way your surgery was? Or do you think that you just have special boobs? 
Well, I do. Have, we all have special <laughs> boobs. Whether you have no boobs or whether they're real, whether they're fake, they're all special. I love them all. But mine just glow, you guys. Um, <laughs> it's because of the the, the surgery um, being over the peck and also my skin is thin. Mm. So that, that helped in you know, the translucence in it. So for all of you listeners... If you want to have some fun with your breasts afterwards, opt for the <laughs> peck under procedures for glowing breasts. Yes. Okay. You've been diagnosed. You had one breast removed. A year later, you get your glowing boobs. And you went through all of this alone. Yes. So you said that a week after, was it a week after your diagnosis is that... That's when you, and I'm assuming your girlfriend, I'm going to, I'm assuming that you're gay. We're okay saying that. Yes. Yes. I'm a big old lesbian. You're a big old lesbian. You're a big old lesbian. Shout Welcome out to the lesbian. to the lesbian. Um, which I, you know, I think that it's important that we are very open and, and talk about these, these things. And again, I think that it, there could be a listener out there that might be in your same situation, uh, whether they're lesbian or whether their partner just leaves them right after they get diagnosed. And I know you are not alone in that. I know I've heard this. And so I think it's really important that we kind of talk through that, if you're okay with that. Yes. It was about uh, a little, so it was a week after my surgery. So it was about a month and a week after I was diagnosed, pretty much. When you um, went home so on I your still very had first... My freaking, uh, I still had my tubes in me. Your little drainers, your, yeah. your drain tubes. In fact, she she packed my Jeep for me so that I can go and get it unpacked by my mom. That's where I stayed. So you were living with her and I was she living kicked with you it. out of it. We've... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she doesn't deserve the, even the, the, you know. Thank you. Thank you for the strength that I've gotten out of it. <laughs> we'll go with that. Everything is a life lesson. Yes. So you moved out of the apartment mm-hmm. or the place you were living. Mm-hmm. You had your drains still attached to you. Yes. What happened? The, like, what, what was the response when you came home and said, I have breast cancer? Like, that, I already know that that's such a big, like, it's such a heavy thing that people have to share with their loved ones. So number one, it's this thing that you don't even want to tell anybody because it's so dramatic. How was that received when you walked into the door and said, I have breast cancer? Well, I was a couple hours later than usual to get home because she was unavailable. And um, I had gone to my mom's and I had a couple of my best friends come over and I shared the news. We drank it up and we mourned together about, you know, um, but so when I came home, when I was dropped off, um, I sat her down and I said, I have breast cancer. And she's, she said, no shit, no fucking shit. You have breast cancer. And after that, um, I never got, I, there was no extra hugs. There was no tears. There was no cuddles. You know, um, so I knew that I was, I knew that I was in on my own. And at the time I was just so busy trying to wrap my brain around things, um, that I was just taking one, one step after the other. And, uh, that was one of the hardest things I did was going through 
that kind of hurt and heartbreak after, you know, dealing while dealing with such a terrible news, but. Well, it's something so life changing and life transforming. And I think that if you're with, if you have a partner that you would hope to go through those things together. And, uh, yeah. I think that it's kind of a miracle that she let you know right up front. And I think that, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to call her a she and I can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not as mad as you. Um, I'm actually not mad. You're not I've mad. See, her, yeah. don't give her that, you know, don't <laughs> give her that. But call her a she. Uh, so I think that it's a blessing that it happened on day one and that you, you, you felt that from day one because what if it happened after you had kids or, you know, like I think that people show you their, what does Maya Angelou say? When people show you who they are, believe them. And I think that that was probably the most powerful thing for you. Um, yes. And if you are already in a downward spiral, I'm pretty sure that it wasn't a positive situation to begin with. So. Yes, absolutely. But I, I do want to, I did want to talk through that. And because I know that women out there are struggling in this part of the diagnosis. And I know that it's very, very difficult and hard on co-survivors and the people that they're sitting next to and the people that are walking through treatment with them and, and are holding their hand. And so I think it's great that you didn't have somebody that was negative. Yes. That, and I, it, overall the cancer helped to weed out the good or the bad. And it showed me some people came out of the woodworks and they were, they were there for me or checked on me. And I was like, wow, I see you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're awesome. So it was a blessing it, overall. It, it was a blessing. Yeah. And I don't situation. think it needs to be necessarily we go through cancer. I think that if we go through any hard time, like, you know, the hardest time in my life was losing my sister. And so I, those messages of people that sent me or those letters that people sent me, like that people showed up for me. And then there was the people that I thought would show up for me that were just nowhere to be found. And, yeah. but, and it didn't, it wasn't like I'm mad at those people. It's just more of like, now I know who to go to and when I need help, you know, or Absolutely. I know, like, I know my little circle that's really, really down and there for me. So I think that that's important in life that when you have your adversities and you're facing your uphill battles that the right people show up. Yeah. The and I've, I've gained off. so many great contacts, you being one of them. Oh, Hey, we had, yeah. When I lost <laughs> my keys and we had that big life conversation, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, see, she's so amazing. <laughs> So we'll have to talk about it. So one day we went to dinner and where were your keys? It was Ceci's birthday. It was Ceci's birthday. And yeah, yeah, no, it was, her, was it her birthday? Oh, yes. So it was, well, I think it was her five-year cancer. F oh, Maybe it was her, I can't remember. Maybe it was her birthday. I don't know. We were celebrating her for some reason. Mm, yeah. We're all celebrating it was like, it Ceci. Was a Ceci it, needs to get over herself. Yeah. She's always getting love. <laughs> Everyone just loves Ceci. Oh, I just remember we had a pinata. Yes, we and had a pinata. Cashy beat the crap out of that pinata. Cashy's, he yeah, like stabbed he, it. It was he's, awesome. He's showing <laughs> breast cancer. What was up? Yeah. He gave it so a mess. So we all. So I know that my husband and Cashy went home in the Sprinter van, but we all went to dinner in the Sprinter van, and then I had my car. You had your car here. So the Sprinter van chauffeur, aka my husband, dropped us off, and then went home to put Cash to bed and do all that good stuff. Well. Melissa couldn't find her keys. Yeah, I'm infamous for losing stuff. So, yeah. And so we had to search everywhere. We had to talk to everybody. We we're like, Ceci, is it with you? We had to call everybody. 
Uh, we finally found them in the Sprinter. So we had a, a nice little journey back home and then back here. Yes, yeah, so we got a little life talk. We got a little extra time together, which you yeah. have to really appreciate it. Like I always say, we could have been frustrated. Again, I think something simple like losing your keys or missing a f- or your flight being delayed. I oh, What I've learned in life, this is, I try my best not to get frustrated at stuff like that and just say you are where you're supposed to be. And so for that night, I was supposed to be your lift ride from there to grab your keys to come back and you share those, share what you shared with me because you obviously needed to talk about it. So again, you are always where you're supposed to be. Yes. And you even said that that night. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's something I truly you believe. You do live by that. Yeah. yeah. I truly, truly believe it. And I, I definitely, you know, with all the traveling I do, sometimes it doesn't always work out. I'm like, all right, I'm just, <laughs> this is where I'm at right now. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. There's nothing I can do, but just appreciate that this is where I'm at. So, so we've got your full treatment was a year long. Sounds like. Um, yeah, about full treatment, full recovery. About a year and a half. When was it? A little less. At what point were you like, I need help? You know, I know that you said that you were involved with some of the breast cancer organizations. At what point, because I think this is really important to talk through, and this is why I'm so passionate about the podcast, because I feel like this can help a woman on the first day they get diagnosed, where they can get in their car and push play. Don't know how I'm going to let every woman know that gets diagnosed that we exist. I will, though. I'm working on that. Um <laughs> But what, at what point were you ready to need help, to need support, to need other breast cancer survivors in your circle? Um, Cause they're not, you it know, was they're when not I readily started. available. You get breast cancer and you're like, who do I know that has breast cancer? And how do I, cause you become a student all of a sudden. And so I think that there comes a point where you're like, I'd really like to know other breast cancer survivors, other women that have been through this that can relate to me. It was right after, pretty much right after my first surgery. Um, and that's when I started my whole healing process in general. And I started, I wanted to have the best body that I could and be in the best shape that I could knowing that I had other surgeries coming up. Mm. And that's when I started juicing and doing my little monkey fitness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm answering that question, but you are, yeah. Um, I knew that I needed the help of survivors right away. And that was the puzzle piece that put everything together. Absolutely. Where did you, where did you first go? Like what resources were readily available to you? Young Survivor Coalition. You hear that everyone? Young Survivor Coalition. Shout out. Shout out. Survivor Coalition. I've spoken to, I'm pretty close with their CEO and she's always said that their program, she's like, my girls should be done with me after a year. Like it's, it, it is a place of very fresh, newly diagnosed women. They do do a summit where women come back, but it's really that first year where you really need a community and to be hugged and loved on. And that first year, um, they're very intentional. She's at, at least very intentional about making those resources for that first year. So shout out yes. to YSC. I love those. Yes. And also there. House of Volta. Shout out to Story at House of Volta. Shout and out House. to Story. Yes. And I met Story at a YSC summit. So again, I'll come oh, back yeah, to I YSC. Remember that story. She's so well, funny. That actually, she does photo shoots and she, I was always a tomboy at heart. I still am. And she 
put me in makeup and different dresses and, and made me pose. In fact, uh, the 2020 calendar is coming up. And Are you in the 2020 calendar? Yes, Share I with people am. about this calendar. The calendar, it's a pinup survivor calendar. Um, I'm going to be, I got the honor of being the ca- uh, the cover girl this year. Woo-hoo. I think so, that, yeah. was Robin the cover girl? We have Robin Galley yes. that was. So, yes, yeah. Robin was last year. The Barbells for Boobs girls just right. doing it for story. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. It's uh, it's an awesome. Uh, they're on sale now. They get just it. get it, get it, get it. House of Volta, H A U S. House of Volta, V O L T A. Yes. So, um, are you oh, working with her on another study? On what else are you working on with House of Volta? I know that you guys have a study happening right now. Yes. In fact, I'm so excited. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so House of Volta and UC San Diego teamed up. They uh, they were able to get a grant, and um, we are helping um, through Pink Body Spirit. Oh, they hey just girl. pulled up. Sorry, That's guys, me. we're just looking at the House of Volta's cover page right now. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yes. So they they um, teamed up together, and um, they were able to get a grant. It's a fitness study. So it, it, they're accepting candidates for it right now. I just got my first mentee. I'm a mentor for them. Um. And it's six weeks. You get a free Fitbit. You get compensation. Um, you got to be six weeks, six months out of active treatment, and fifty under the age of fifty. You hear so, that compensation? Yes. Did everyone hear that? So go to House of Volta again, spelled H A U S, and uh, grab a calendar. And if you'd like me to help you get back into fitness or one of the other mentors, do it. We'd, we'd love to have you hit her up or obviously hitting hit barbells for boobs up too. Yes. Um, House of Volt. So yes, we're, uh, I'm very excited that's about so that. Amazing. Great stuff. Yes. Self-love after breast cancer. Yes. That's what they promote. And Self-love. that's what they did for me. So mm. again, shout out. Very cool. So you say that you're a tomboy. And I kind of want to talk about your locomotive engineer status. <laughs> so when, when Melissa first shared this with me, that that was her job, my automatic intelligent brain went to Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so intelligent of you. I love your intelligence. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, you always bought the railroads. <laughs> Cause they were just, they were just easy money and they weren't that expensive. Um, and that's literally all I thought about when you told me what you did for a living. Uh, I thought of Monopoly. Other people think of <laughs> Thomas the train. So that's actually, I like that. And when I do play Monopoly, but you I'm know always like a want. visual happens in your brain when somebody <laughs> like you hear somebody's name or you hear something in a visual, I'm a visual person. I was like, I saw the P- Pennsylvania railroads. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's on the train all day. Let's so. Uh, Chris asked you when you came in here, what, is, what does that mean? You're a train driver? Well, yes. <laughs> in layman's terms, yes. I'm a freight train operator. That means she drives them, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Choo-choo. So I think that this is a, it's interesting because when you say that you're a tomboy and getting to this calendar, I'm assuming where you work and what you do, there's not many women there. No. How many women do you work with? 
Um, in my railroad, there's probably about 180 trainmen in that small railroad. We just serve the ports. There's only one other female besides me. In 180? Yes. Why? That's a good question. Um, I've tried to get other females who I think are badass and they're intimidated. It is a little intimidating. And when I first started, there were days where I came home in tears because I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in. There were some guys that, you know, it's a he-man woman's hater club until it, it took about a year or so for me to feel comfortable to where I fit right in with the, with With them, you know, and they're now they're, they're my brothers. I love them. Um, they, so this is kind of interesting. Um, when I, I started there in 2011 and in about 2013, which was two years before my diagnosis, I, in October, I put up on Facebook, Hey guys, any, any of you railroad guys, if you're man enough to wear pink for the month of October, I will buy you a pink vest. And I had to cut it off at like 20 because <laughs> I couldn't afford it. And every year it's grown since then. Um, they put pink magnets on the locomotives. They put banners up all around. And um, we make shirts, um, pink railroad shirts. Um, and they all wear them. That don't, yes. It's so amazing. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys wear it better than I do. Well, you know what I think that I'm learning about men and breast cancer? Because I think that, again, I don't like pink. I've never liked the color pink. Uh, I, I've always kind of been a tomboy as well. Like, I'd rather wear blue or black. Um, but what I've learned is that we hear this stat of one in eight women will get diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's a so many women. But what you, the stats you don't hear are how many husbands are getting that news, you know, or how many sons or how many brothers are getting that news. And when you say that, it's like it's somebody's mom or it's somebody's it's a man's mom or it's a man's wife. And so I just don't know if men feel like they belong to the breast cancer movement because it's so pink and it's so, you know, it's so woman driven. And I think they want a voice in it. And I think it's really important that in situations like what you're talking about is getting a men driven community pumped on this and making them feel like this is okay. And I'm going to embrace this. And it's just what I've done in the CrossFit space. You know, it's what we've done in the weightlifting space. It's, Hey, it's okay for, it's finally a place where men feel like they have a voice in breast cancer, um, which I think is incredible. I just want more women working there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so any of you ladies, especially if you're hot, apply, okay? <laughs> Pacific Harbor Line. <laughs> like, are you single, Mrs.? That was that a- <laughs> Oh, you know what? Edit what's that. Your, uh, what's your uh what's the app? I have a special where you swipe right and left. Yeah, all right. Are you on what is that called? I don't even know. I'm kinda in the middle. There's a girl that I really like. I, I swiped right on her for a little while. Oh. So But what is that app called? Oh, I was just, yeah, I, I wasn't There's, actually on an app. I met oh, her at a, oh. in person. There is an app that all you single people use and I can't think of it right now because I'm too old. Uh, oh, it's Tinder. Of course, the sound wait, engineer how do knows your, what it is. How does your husband know? Hey. He just whispered Tinder. Tinder. Oh, oh my goodness. Tinder. <laughs> if you're on Tinder, Melissa's on Tinder. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm not on any of those. What is it like to be like, you're, 
this hot 34-year-old out of treatment, what's it like to go back into dating? Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I stayed single throughout the, yeah, so for about two and a half years. Um, it was interesting because I hadn't shared my body with anyone, you know, now that it was new and improved. And um, it was kind of interesting. Um, but overall, I feel like it's funny because the girl that I'm dating now, mm-hmm. uh, she's a boob girl. So I had little boobies so before. She's having so much fun with your glow, uh, yeah, right? With glow. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. She was like, yes, I scored. I'm a breast cancer survivor. So, yes, it's funny because, I, yeah, I, I joke around. I'm like, you would never have gotten with me before because I didn't have any boobs. And oh. he's like, she's like, probably not. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think about that. Well, and I think that for you it's different because you're dating women. And so I think that women are looking at this differently than men look at it. Um, and I think that women are really scared to go out and date after breast cancer. Cause <clears throat> what I've heard from men specifically is they f- don't want to hurt women. I've heard that very specifically after one of my friends was had her mastectomy and was going through treatment that her husband was like, I don't, I don't want to be intimate with her. Cause I feel like I'm going to hurt her. Yes. But he there was is too scared to tell her that, but he shared that with me. And I was like, you need to tell her that. Cause she's Aww. You know, she needs your intimacy, whether it, I don't think it needs to be set. She just needs to be touched, you know, and I think I think it's um, it might be a harder road with men after diagnosis. I don't know, because I'm that's interesting. I'm not I ele- think overall, though, I can like there because I even felt like they were a little, you know, like I wanted to protect them. Mm-hmm. And now I, you know, once I became the globe master, now they're like, like, let's it's on like it's Donkey Kong. <laughs> Let's, let's test you. Let's take these babies on a test yeah. run. I think uh, Chris, your husband, he might have to edit this for barbell bo- Bar- no. barbells for boobs after dark. We're- yeah, we're good. <laughs> I mean, we have boobs in our name to be expected. Right? Yeah, right. We're going to talk about boobs, glowing ones today. Yes. So who are So it's been three years. You've overcome. Are you, where where are you today? What does your life look like today when you said that you were in this mental downward spiral? Like, what does that look, today look like? Um, I have so much confidence now that I can give it to people. Wow. I am very grateful for the journey that has, that for my journey, I, I'm a whole different person now. Um, and I love my, I learned to love myself. Like genuinely love yourself. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing how that, it took that for me to realize how precious I am as a person. Mm. So that's so powerful. And I think that we all get to have life experiences where we grow and we build confidence and um, really test our own, our own strength. Right. And I think that we get tested a lot, but there's something about a breast cancer diagnosis for a woman that really, I feel like is the biggest test because what I continue to hear is breast cancer almost makes you feel like you're not a woman anymore. Like it almost questions your, for women that are moms, they're like, I'm questioning my ability to be a good mom. I'm questioning my ability to be a good wife. I can't, you know, you talk to Bor and it's like, I can't hold a pan up, you know? And 
she's kind of having to like laugh it off and be like, don't, you know, you're going to make your disabled mom <laughs> do the <laughs> dishes. But I think that because it attacks our womanhood, that it's the most degrading cancer out there. And so for you to come out of that and for any woman to come out of that and say, I'm more confident than ever. And man, that is a powerful statement. And it means that there was powerful work done to you because of a diagnosis of breast cancer. So yes, congrats. Thank you. What would you say it was your biggest lesson in that process, building that confidence? Like what was breast cancer's biggest lessons for you? Um, I think it's the preciousness of, I don't even know if that's a word. It's totally a word. It's a word on this podcast. No, oh, I come up with yeah. words all the time. Preciousness. Your preciousness. Very the preciousness, preciousness of, of my own life and my health. And also, like I said, that self-love. Mm. Yeah. Biggest lesson, self-love. Yeah. There you go, people. Love yourself. Love your self. Love is love. Love is love. If there's anybody out there right now that has never heard of Barbells for Boobs, hopefully they have if they're listening, what would be your, like, what are your thoughts on Barbells for Boobs? What do you, do you feel like survivors need something like Barbells for Boobs and what we do? Absolutely. Not only the education and the mammograms that you give them, um, but the getting back into making your body look and feel good again, that's a, that's a road in itself is acceptance. And with barbells for boobs, like I said, even in my experience with you guys, I was able to see that I'm stronger than I actually was before. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it showed me my level of strength physical strength. Like it put you to the test. Yeah. Put me to the test. A test you would have never taken. Right. Absolutely. I never had a freaking barbell in my hand. That's before. what I love. Shoot. It's like I made Bora get super uncomfortable. I made you, that's maybe what we do. We just get you to your uncomfortable, <laughs> find your uncomfortable with barbells yeah, removes because we sure. will definitely give you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that one of the things that we can kind of wrap up and talk about is Instead of thinking about what your body was before, because I think that there's this comparison, I want to get back to where I was. Uh, we had this conversation at the Power Monkey Collective, and I think it's us realizing that it's not about trying to be who we used to be, because I think that that puts limits on what you're capable of doing now. And so I think that if you say, I want to just get to back to where I was and in, in fitness, you know, and, and we're talking about CrossFitters that are like, I want my back squat back and I want my snatch back and I want my pull-ups back. I think that if we think with that low set mindset, because you've already told me that you have more confidence now. I think that if you, if women are like, I want to just be back to who I was, you're, you, you would be worse off. I think that if you say no, like, I'm going to be better. Like instead of thinking like I need to get back to where I was, I think that we all need to set that mindset of we're going to be better than we were before and we're going to push the boundaries and we're going to keep growing. And so we, we, we had that discussion at power monkey this past, past week. And I thought it was really powerful because 
I think that people in life, like whether you just had a baby, whether any surgery, any reconstruction, any injury you're overcoming, instead of thinking about going back, only looking forward. And I think that people will actually become better. Yeah, so. you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere, baby steps. Those and daily progress. Even if you can't physically be better than before, you have a new normal and you can you can still be mentally better than you were before. And with that comes everything else. It's a domino effect. Mm. So, Anything else you want to add to this wonderful conversation? I think it's amazing that you guys are doing podcasts. <laughs> I, I do because when you're first diagnosed and you don't have, you don't know where to go. If someone were to say, Hey, listen to this podcast. And it's not just a doctor talking about X, Y, Z. No, these are, these are real life survivors who have lived it. So I am so happy that you give this, that you're giving this part to the community too, because it's a beautiful thing. And even co-survivors, I say you interview an awesome co-survivor. Yeah, I think that I actually just talked to the sound engineer. He looked at me a little funny. I think that in this next week that um, my sister and I are going to share my sister's story. Oh, that's um, beautiful. And and I'm going to share this with you because his response was, I thought we were only working on, we were only doing survivor stories. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, you know, my sister, Jenny Dean, she was a survivor for a long time and then she wasn't. And I think that, you know, it's important to share the stories of the women we've lost as well uh, from their loved ones. And so we will on this podcast be sharing my sister's story here in the next few weeks, Jenny Dean. And we will also be sharing Allison Lyle's story. So if you're out there and if you've lost a woman, we, we still want to keep that legacy alive. And we want to hear the story from the sidelines, right? So I've, I watched my sister die in front of me. And so I think those are really, really important stories and they're hard, but they're reality. You know, it's, not all hope in pink. And so, um, thank you for saying that because this is, you know, probably one of the last things for us to launch in October is a, <laughs> is a podcast, <laughs> but I just knew that it was really important. I knew that this is what the community needs. And I'm just trying to listen to the community of breast cancer survivors and, and re respond to your needs. So those stories need to be that. told. They Absolutely. 100%. And I have a few women right now that are scared to share. And, you know, if we can be patient with those women, because, you know, one right now is a stage four. And I think that her story is so valuable and what she's going through is so critical for other women to hear because when my sister's lungs were full of liquid, I just remember, or full of fluid or liquid, whatever you want to call it. Um, I remember Alison Lyle had, she had a really great blog going about her treatment. And I just, I was so grateful that she wrote that blog because it calmed me down. It allowed me to ask the doctor the right questions and she wrote it out of her own experience. And my sister was basically going through the same exact thing that Allison had maybe six months prior. So it's powerful. It's so powerful. And I think that, you know, this podcast, hopefully it's around forever. And so in a hundred years, a woman can come and listen to your story and be like, I'm a locomotive engineer. How cool. <laughs> <laughs> Breast cancer. <laughs> and shout out to those pink angels out there. Mm. Shout out to them because it's, it's, the past women with breast cancer and unfortunately they didn't all make it, but that's how technology is advancing and, you know, things like tamoxifen, we don't know fully about all that stuff yet, but they're 
unfortunately they're they're the test you know testing that stuff and that's the only way with this with this disease that we're gonna get that kind of information so shout out to your sister up there I know she's looking down right now she is so uh thank you that's a beautiful thing it is yeah thank you for having me well there you have it folks we've got our breast cancer survivor the glow boob master locomotive engineer melissa paredes um love yourself that's the message here today love yourself love yourself self-love you hear that people Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming and sharing your story, Melissa. We're super appreciative. And have a fantastic day. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. Kisses. <laughs> <laughs>